I agree with you thus far. Okay. You know what? We're all right. At this point, we're gonna have to move into spoiler territory because I feel like to get okay. a br- more uh, nar- uh, more opinion out of you and yeah. in turn out of me, we'll have to spoil certain things about the movie. Right. Check out Midsummer. I don't want to deter anyone from checking it out because uh, obviously the reception's a little mixed on it, despite what the eighty percent on Rotten Tomatoes says. Um, check it out if you don't want to hear any spoilers. Check us out next week because, uh, yeah, we're going to be here until you die. Mm-hmm, um, fuck this movie. Ah, <laughs> um, God damn it. What sucks about, in my opinion, what disappoints me the most about this movie is I was really getting into it mm-hmm. um, until... I like th- for the first hour and a half, I was I was getting into it like I was with it. I had problems with it, but I was with it. The movie is first off way too fucking bloated, in my opinion. I think the movie is too long. It's It's two and a half hours long. And by the hour and a half mark, I'm like looking at my phone like, are we going to wrap this shit up? And there's still another hour of the fucking movie. It's a little long, (laughs) but I I thought it was so pretty. Okay, yes, it is a very pretty movie. That aside, uh, my biggest problem with uh, Hereditary was there was a lack in character development, and it's back with a full oh, fucking force. I don't. There agree is with that. no character development in this movie. I don't agree with that. I how? I, well, I would love like, to hear your opinion on it. Well, I mean, the whole thing with the the main character Danny is she like, so she experiences trauma and. Her boyfriend, who was already going to break up with her because, and I actually missed like the first like five minutes or so, so I'm not sure why he was going to break up with her, but stays with her specifically because of that. And so she has this unsympathetic boyfriend that she deals with throughout the whole movie that she's just like totally cavalier about. And then she finds this community of people who will actually sympathize with her, and she finds like an actual power in people giving a shit about her emotions and sharing them with her. And so she like is able to move past her trauma and develop and. That's fucking character development. Like the other, I mean. I agree with you to a degree, but none of this shit happens until the last five minutes of the movie. Well, but I mean, she's. I'm sorry. (laughs) She's getting more comfortable, you know. I don't think. That's the thing, though. The movie doesn't tell, doesn't communicate that to you. I suppose. Because this, this fucking movie is another fucking reason why white people in horror movies get such a bad rep. Because when their friends start disappearing, they're just literally like, well, that's peculiar. And they move the fuck on as if nothing's happening. I agree. And like, and that's the thing. Yeah. I get that she finds acceptance in this community. I mm-hmm. get that. I still don't think that warrants killing her family in the most like over-the-top, grotesque way imaginable in the first f- fucking five minutes of the movie. Well, she she didn't. I, she didn't. I, oh, right. I meant oh, the movie. Oh, the movie, the okay. Movie. All right, I get you. <laughs> I'm so pissed. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like, I, I get that. I The thing is, it's like, there's... <sighs> trying to, like, organize my thoughts. I don't think there was strong... Okay, Danny goes through an arc. I don't think it's a huge one but i agree with you there is a technical arc that she goes through the rest of the characters do fuck all for the movie that's kind of true the 
Except for the one dude who's like cracking jokes the whole time. But he then... doesn't do anything interesting no, in the movie. He just hits his vape and he's like, oh my God, I want to fuck some Swedish puss. Oh my God. Like, <laughs> and that's all he does in the movie. Yeah, that's pretty much and it. And fucking, oh God. So I, there was, in my opinion, nothing interesting happening with the characters. If you're going to make your two and a half hour long horror film, fine. Mm-hmm. I need to give a shit about the characters though. And I didn't. John Carpenter is an interesting uh, composer because... He started off doing scores for his movies because he needed to save money. He did the soundtracks for Dark Star, Assault on Precinct 13, and Halloween, all because he needed to save money. I think he did the score to Assault on Precinct 13 in like three days. He did the score for Halloween in like a week. I think I just read that he banged out that original iconic theme in like an hour. Um... And then that just sort of stick that became like he be just another part of the creative po- process that he was a part of, uh, start to finish writing, directing, and then editing and composing. And I have always, that's one thing I really admire about that, uh, him. And that's something that in my own endeavors, it's something that I'd like to try at some point. Um, I think uh, John Carpenter has matured as a musician as well with uh, his solo albums that he's released that he's co-composed with his sons, Cody, Carpenter, and the other one whose name I'm unfortunately forgetting, uh, who he tours with. I think there is a great opportunity for a more vast array of sounds. As And like as I love the Halloween score for its simplicity. It only really has like four motifs though Mm -hmm. that are used throughout the entire movie and you can like identify each one and that's great i think that works with the original but it's gonna be 2018 when this movie comes out and like the franchise has matured everyone behind it has matured i'd like to hear some richer music and i think john carpenter can provide that i'm entirely excited um well i'm going to see him again this november live so that uh just goes to prove how uh, supportive i am of him as a musician uh no sponsorship here but check out his new album that he just released anthology it's a remakes of a lot of his classic music pieces uh just goes to test uh goes to show how like uh doing things out of necessity can stick and how they can have staying power. And I think it's another reason to be excited for this reboot because it obviously means that something is going, we've been saying it before, something is going right. He wants to produce it. He wants, or Jamie Lee wants to be in it. And now he officially wants to do the music for it. Um, Boy and go. It's like a gas station. That's not good. Um, <laughs> but the only like actual f- recording you can purchase of it was off Boingo Alive. Okay. And Boingo Alive was a celebration of their catalog that f- thus far, where they basically recorded live, but not with an audience, just mm-hmm. in a studio space or a th- uh, arena. Right. Um, I guess it's on me again then. Yeah. Um. Uh, why is this so difficult? Jesus Christ. Because you don't take notes. Uh, you're right. You're right. Um, I always throw in some stuff from the Twin Peaks soundtrack. Oh, right on. And from the, the movie Twin Peaks Fire Walk With Me. There's a lot of great 
moody. There's a song. It's actually on the soundtrack for Fire Walk With Me, but it was used in the show. It's called Sycamore Trees. I want to say it's by sung by Jimmy Olsen with Angelo Badalamenti doing the score or the the uh, accompaniment. Hmm. Very sinister, just uh, downtrodden jazz song. Really good. So, hmm. for you. Uh, okay. Um, well, I guess on that subject, soundtracks, I would say either the Time Warp or Sweet Transvestite. Yeah, I was, that's where I was going with that, too. That, that's also in our standard. Yeah, I always have to, you know, because it's appropriate. Yeah. Sticking with musicals, I always have stuff from Sweeney Todd oh, and yeah. uh, Little Shop of Horrors Oh, hell as yeah. Well. Oh, my God. Um, I always like... It wasn't in the original Broadway show, but I always liked Mean Green Mother from Our Space. Oh, fuck yeah. I love that's that such one. A, that's such best. a fun song. Um, another one from you. Oh, um... We're going to do this until I say we're done. Okay. I hope you're ready. Uh, there's the song She's My Witch by Southern Culture on the Skids. Um, one of my friends did a burlesque number to this song, and ever since I heard it, I'm just like, this is just... I have to come back to it every fucking year. I actually come back to it all the time. It's on, like, every playlist that I play at any bar ever, so... Um, yeah, she's my witch, Southern culture on the skids. It's like, it's kind of rockabilly, I guess is a good word for it. Um, really good. Spooky. It's fun. Nice. Uh, speaking of rockabilly, um, and speaking of Halloween too, the Captain Clegg and the Night Creatures album that was recorded in conjunction with that movie it's all original Halloween themed songs. Dope. It's actually a pretty pretty solid album. It's all like Southern rock, honky tonk, blues. I can uh, vouch. I can vouch rockabilly. It's, it's pretty decent. So yeah, a couple of the songs were used in the movie, but there's like thirteen or fourteen original tracks oh, on, on this album, and That's it's awesome. actually it's pretty solid. I couldn't for the life of me find who plays because I think it's a comedian. Uh, plays this fictional Captain Clegg, and then like Rob Zombie helped produce the actual music around the album. That's dope. Um, but and of course we need to have Rob Zombie on the playlist. Oh, right. Any like, song by Living Rob Dead Zombie. Girl and Dragula for yes, sure. Yes, Living Dead Girl is my jam. Yeah. 